You're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. You say that, say better to everybody around you. Say it again, just say better. Better. Say it again, say better. better. Paul said, and I will show you an even better way. And everybody, everybody, matter of fact, before I even jump in this message, that song, we're going to continue that. Can we just praise him right now? Whatever you walked in here for, uh, the psalmist said, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. So I shouldn't be the only one loud one in the room. Uh, the, the prophet uh, Ezekiel, God told him, said, speak to the dry bones. You may come in here with just some bones. But speak to him because we can praise him no matter what we're dealing with. Because the fact that you're here is something to praise him and be thankful for. A better way. All of us are trying to build and be something. We're trying to build. And I just want to help you build better. I want Catalyst, we're going to build better. We're going to build better. This is probably not going to be, maybe won't be a popular message at all. But I got to preach it nonetheless. I got to preach it nonetheless. This is that stuff. What I'm going to talk to today is what, why we're not just going to grow wide and our room's not just going to get bigger. We're going to grow deeper because you can love Jesus and you can still build your life on sand. And God wants more for you than just to love him. He wants you, he wants to breathe life into you. So this message may not be popular, but I'm going to pour my heart out. And I hope that you will hear just that, my heart. It's his kingdom principles, which means that if you apply it to your life, it will make your life better. And if you don't, it won't. It will not. Will you just lift your hands? Lord, help speak. Actually, stretch them towards me right now. Lord, help me speak concisely, clearly. Lord, help me speak with humility but boldness at the same time. And Lord, I just pray that hearts would be opened up online and in person, that they would begin to put to practice the principles, the promises in their life, and they would begin to build their life on them. Because you want more than for us to settle for just loving you. We love a lot of things. I love Sprite Zero. I miss it really bad a week into fasting. But Lord, you want us to have the real thing. Help me speak it in Jesus' name. Amen. As you're seated, don't be shy. Guest, I'm going to make you anxious. Tell everybody around you. Oh, y'all already seated. So tell everybody around you that you can spin your neck. Say you're building something. You're building something. Say it with me loud. Say you're building something. Online, drop a comment with me if you're alive. Say you're building something. You can put 17 exclamation marks because most of you in the West Georgia area should be in the room unless you got COVID. Say you're building something. Everybody is building something. Everybody is building something. Indecision and inconsistency is building something. Building nothing is building something. Not having the hard conversations and making the hard decisions is building something. 
not addressing the things that really need to change in your life is building something. Cutting corners is building something. Trying to make things work that aren't working is something. Tell your neighbor, say you're building something. Everybody is building something. So Moses, like he freaked out and made a big mistake. You'd freak out too. The joker saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. By the way, he's a Hebrew. Hebrew slave beating him. So Moses flipped out. Before he knew it, he killed the joker. You ever like made a real dumb decision? You may not have killed somebody or beat somebody. You made a real dumb decision. Before you know it, when you woke up, you were like, I really messed up. Well, you know what he did? He got up. He messed up. He knew he killed him. And the joker just, he dealt. Took off running. He took off running, and we pick, there, we pick up there in Exodus chapter 2. Wrong pad folio. I'll get there. Exodus chapter 2, it says, Moses accepted the invitation, and he settled there with him. He settled where he ran to. He settled there. He ran from where he was called to build and what he was called to build because he made a mistake. He took off. He runs into the wilderness and the Bible says he settled. I love that word. I preach that word. My life since I was a kid, I am big on not settling. When I realize I've settled, I hit the brakes and hit the gas pretty quickly because God does not want you or me to settle for leftovers in life. He's not a leftovers God. We shouldn't be a leftovers people. And I love that. It says Moses accepted the invitation to settle where he ran with the people he ran to. And it says in time rule gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. In Hebrew, Zipporah means stranger. Stranger. Last year, I preached a series called, I can't even remember the series. I preached a lot since then. But I told you names, there's a lot in the name in the Bible. It says, it means stranger. He was a stranger. Moses, because he settled and ran, he became a stranger to the purposes and plans of God's in, God in his life. And he knew it. And he knew it. And so he married a woman named Stranger. And she was his wife. Later, she gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom. In Hebrew, Gershom means sojourner. Anybody who doesn't know what that means, it means a person who resides somewhere temporarily. If you don't see the gospel in that, I don't know how else to tell you. You don't have to stay where you are if you've settled and ran for 30, 40, 50 years, if you only got six months left to live, you can reside where you've ran temporarily and you can go back to what God called you to do and God called you to build. Moses married a woman named Stranger and he had a kid named Sojourner because God was easing him back to where he was never supposed to run from because that is the grace of God in all of our lives and it is time for us to refocus and, re and, and recommit to it. And it says this, it says, this is Moses talking, he explained, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. 
He says, I have been a foreigner. I, am, I have been running from the promise and plans of God and what he called me to do and called me to build. You, all of us in some seasons, many of you right now, you know that there are areas, maybe every part of your life, that you have been a foreigner in a foreign land. You were a stranger to the purpose, plans, gifts, abilities, and callings that God has put on your life. You know it. Moses knew he wasn't supposed to be where he was. He wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing or what he was destined to do. Yet he spent 40 years doing that. 40 years. 40 years he spent settling in the place that he ran from. And some of you, you are a foreigner, a stranger in your marriage, in your house, at your job. You don't, other people don't know you. You don't know yourself. You are a stranger. You can build a great life and accumulate a lot and not really have much impact with it. And you can be a stranger, a foreigner in a foreign land. Moses probably had a good marriage, had good kids. But you know what? He realized this is not where I'm supposed to be this is not what I was supposed to be doing I should be here but I'm here this is why the reality of why you weren't where you should be doesn't matter at some point you have to realize you're building something and you get to choose if you're going to build it or not what God called you to build and many of us we need to build better Y'all, Catalyst Church in some areas, we need to build better. I need to lead and I need to build my life and my ministry better. I, all of us have chosen in some areas, areas to be a foreigner in a foreign land. Moses recommitted to building the life that God called him to build at the age of 80. And you and me have an opportunity every single day to do the same thing. The scripture says his mercies are new every morning. Tell your neighbor, say you're building something. Speak it over yourself louder than you just did. I got the second sleepiest crowd again, y'all. Y'all about to wake up because I'm telling you, we are not going to be, we are not going to be shy. Say, I got something to build. And I'm not building it. There's some areas that we're not building it. Every one of us are building something. We're building something. And you won't build much being half in. You won't build much being half in. Paul said this to the Corinthian church, a church he planted he said this to them. He said, so then, no more boasting about human leaders because they had the same problems we do in our churches today. They boasted, they compared, they put their confidence in their preachers, their spiritual leaders, which is why you're going to see him name himself, Apollos and Cephas. Cephas is Peter. He says, no more boasting about it. No more boasting. We may be the face of the New Testament, but God's got callings for you. Watch this. Um, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are. You better say it like you mean it. Say yours. yours. Tell your neighbor right now, say it's all yours. It's all 
He says, quit talking about the work of God and just hearing it from us. All things are. Uh -uh. All things are. All things are. Yours. Paul said, "Uh uh-uh, no more excuses. All things are yours, whether Paul, Apollos, or Cephas. That's Peter. Oh, he just named the three giants in the New Testament church. He said, Doesn't or the world, or life, or death, or the present, or in the future. All are, Yours. say it like you mean it. Yours. And you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. He says, no more excuses, Corinth. You have gifts and abilities. You have anointings. You have callings. God has put things on your heart. Your story isn't mine, but all things are Yours. Yours. He says, no more excuses, no more bickering, no more, no more taking it from us. It's time for you to take the gospel. All things are yours. Catalyst Church, the same is true for you. Amen. You are anointed. Matter of fact, tell your neighbor, say you're anointed. You better tell them like you mean it, say you're anointed. And now speak it over yourself, say I'm anointed. You better say it louder than you said it to your neighbor, say I am anointed. God has given you gifts. He has given you abilities. He didn't just fearfully and wonderfully make me to make me to preach. Some Sundays, you I would even argue that because I don't preach very well. But I'm going to tell you, he has made you with passions. I've got entrepreneurs in the building. I've got people that are that are so creative. I've got I've got teachers, coaches, factory managers. I know that in a room this big and an online audience that we have that will watch this, whether it's today, tomorrow or next. Next year, I know that I have full-time ministers that are called to vocational and be a vocational pastor. Amen. Tell somebody right now, say it's all yours. Say you are anointed. Say I am anointed. It's all yours, but you're not all in. Paul said, no more excuses. You're not all in. You're not all in. And you won't build much with your life being half in. You can accumulate and accomplish a lot, but you won't build much being half in. You won't build much. Moses, we do, you know, we do that. We do, you know, we love Jesus. We come to church. We love Jesus. We take a step forward, step back. Step forward, sidestep. Step forward, step back. You wonder why you're so exhausted. You get so excited. God's moved in my life. He's changing my life. I'm coming to church. I'm all in. I'm so excited. First sign of trouble, things go sideways. Somebody plays into your insecurities and hurts your feelings, whether it's at work, church, your husband, your wife, doesn't matter. Step forward, step back. We dip just like Moses. You're as human as him. That joker led three million Jews out of slavery once he realized all things are mine. I'm 80 years old sitting in the desert. God says, I am whatever you need. Moses went and did it. He's as human as you and me. We got to quit, man. We got to stop. We take a step forward, step back, step side. And what happens is you end up going back to old habits, old patterns, old mindsets, old relationships, old places. I can't tell you, I can't tell you how many people, how many people in the last three years, we're coming on three years of COVID, that they were, they were seeking the presence of God. 
they had come out of holes and they are so disconnected three years later because you step back and if you don't step forward and take back what God called you to build and begin to recommit to your life. I see you, I see many people that are in darker, deeper holes than they were three years ago when they came to church. It's all of us. God can change our lives and we can still run when we decide to run and not pursue him. Paul said, no more. It's all yours. It's all yours. We just dip. You're a foreigner in a foreign land in your mind and in every part of your life and you don't even feel comfortable in your own skin because you have been running for so many years. You have been hiding for so many years. You have been holding back for so many years. And I'm about to teach for a minute because the biggest thing in our life, before I jump into this, can we hit that air? I think somebody turned the heat on. I'm about to die up here. I know I'm moving, but dang, are y'all hot? I think somebody turned it on this morning. I knew it was going with them lights and hop, all y'all's hot breath in here. It's bad. I didn't, say your ba- I didn't say your breath is bad. I said I'm hot. I just said the hot. No, I didn't. I said the heat's bad. Mm, somebody hit that heat cold this morning. But I got to teach, so I got to focus. I can't be hot up here. Y'all know I got menopause. This is a thing for males. You know? I came out the womb with menopause. I didn't even have to be 37 and get it. I had it when I was born. I did. That's what I'm going with at least. The biggest thing that we do this with is our money. It's our money. And yep, I'm going to talk about it for a few minutes. I'm going to talk about it for a few minutes. You know, for the first several years of Catalyst, uh, I never talked about it. I was scared to talk about it. Negligent, really. Uh, I say negligent. This is a better way I say scared. I get up here, I'd be like, I'm so sorry for the people that have taken advantage of you. And I, I'm just not that person. Let me tell you how many people have broke my heart and taken advantage of me. And I could give you those draw-dropping stories. But here's the thing. Uh, I have to teach on this. Uh, it is my responsibility to teach on the things that are tearing our lives apart. And uh, so I start talking about money a few years back. Some people got mad and left. They probably still do. Uh, but Jesus talked about it more than almost anything. There's a reason for that is Jesus said very clearly, you cannot serve God in money. Uh, Paul said that the love of money, the lust of money is the root of all evil. So if you look at the defects, the stress in your life, the insecurities, the worries, it is somehow connected to money. I have been a minute. I'm not a veteran in ministry, but I'm not a spring chicken anymore. And I can tell you this, it is without exception. When I look at a person who is unstable, There is never a time that their bank account is not unstable too and chaotic. As chaotic as their life. When I have seen people that are, their darkness comes to life and they have some major sins that blindside, every, blindside everybody, there's usually some debt connected there. Or they just had enough money, but they spent a lot more than they should. A sure sign of instability and struggle in your life, don't matter how much or how little you have, is not being able to manage your money. I've never met a person who was unstable that did not struggle financially or a person that was struggling and stopped growing and stopped pursuing God that didn't become a bad money manager. And I've been doing this a while and I get a better perspective than everybody else. I do. It's what it is. I don't know more. I just see more. And so when I tell you that this I have to teach on, 
I have to teach on it. The good thing is this. Uh, Jesus said very clearly, he made it simple. He said, where your treasure is, your heart is also. He didn't say your heart can, you can, you can adjust your heart with your treasure. He didn't say that. He said, what you find valuable in life, that's where your heart is. The awesome thing about the Bible is this. The most beautiful parts of the Bible are the backstories. A lot of people can quote the verses, but they don't know the backstory. So they either misapply it or they just avoid it altogether. But can I teach just for a few minutes? I'm sure I'll preach because the word gets me excited. But this is the stuff that I don't, I don't want anything from you. God's going to provide for me and Catalyst, and he always has, and I don't, I don't expect anything different, and I'm pushing 40. And so, uh, so this stuff right here, you either build on sand or you don't. All I can do is throw it out there. I'm going to drop it like it's hot, and I hope you'll do something with it. That's all I can do. That's all I can do. And so here, let me set up the backstory. So Paul was the OG of church planning, right? I'm going to teach you something new. This is the reason why I love the scripture. Paul was the OG of church planning. He planted churches all over Greece, right? So there, Greece was split into two different regions. It was northern Greece and southern Greece. Hang with me. This will change your life if you want to hear me. If you don't, it won't. That's okay. Northern Greece was called Macedonia. See, a lot of churches called Macedonia. Northern Greece, Macedonia. Southern Greece was called Achaia. Okay? Northern Greece, Macedonia was broke folks. Completely poor. The reason is, is Alexander the Great, by the way, Northern Greece is where the church at Philippi, Paul wrote the letter, book to the Philippians, whatever you want to call it, it's a letter. First and second Thessalonians, that's northern Greece, Macedonia. They were broke. There's a reason they were broke is that was Alexander the Great, the Greek conqueror's hometown. So when Rome took over northern Greece, they stripped them of their wealth as a power move because let's face it, when you take out the champion, you want to take out the champion. Northern Greece is broke. Macedonia say broke. Say broke, folks. Achaia. Southern Greece, here we go. I'm, I want to make you love the Bible. I want you to see it for what it is. Southern Greece is called Achaia. Corinth is in Achaia. This is the American church. I'm just saying. It don't change. Nothing changes. We're just bigger, but we're still, the word applies to every one of our life. Achaia, Southern Greece, has a lot of resources. They are gifted. They are the American church of today. They are blessed. They got everything. They look crazy because they got everything. That's why Corinth was by far the most dysfunctional church. But Achaia had it all. There's a third player now. Paul is taking up donations. We know this in church history. He was taking up a donation. He was taking up a collection from the churches in Greece because the Christians in Jerusalem were struggling. He said, we're going to be generous, guys. So he began to take up a collection. Got the scene? Got the backstory? You understand it? Now let's read. Let's just say that. Say Macedonia, broke folks. Achaia, Corinth, American church. Say broke folks, American church. Broke folks, American church. Here we go. It says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, he's writing to the American church. Achaia, Corinth, Southern Greece. 
I want you to know there, brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. Broke folks, say it like you mean it. Broke folks, say it like you want to be challenged today. Broke folks. Stripped of all their wealth, they got nothing. They got nothing because they, the Roman Empire stripped them all of their wealth. He says, I want you to know what they've done. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. Told you why. But they are also filled with abundant joy. Woo, woo. We got everything, but America's ate up with opioid addiction and credit card debt and got more houses and cars than we can afford. But the broke folks, nothing changes. They actually got joy. Which is, oh, because, they, because we, oh man, I, I'll keep going. I got to teach. Which was, which has over flowed in rich generosity. He's broke, folks. For I can testify that they gave, oh, I ain't even scratched the surface, Bradford. Wait, I love the word. I love the word. And for the first time, in, or for the, I'm not afraid to teach it anymore, man, because you either want it or you don't. If you don't, I can't do anything about that. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they have not only uh, they, they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. Can I just tell you that what God has done in the last six years at Catalyst, we has been through people that had less, that were all in and gave more. I could tell you testimonies, I just don't have time today. It's never, we've never really had, I've seen smaller churches that had like $200,000 donations. Somebody wrote a check. We ain't, not yet. It's blue collar workers that love people. Here it is. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to keep going. I got to get, I got to get, I can't, I can't, I, it says this. They did even, they did even, excuse me. It says, and they did it of their own free will. Didn't take no plate getting passed across them. That's why we stopped passing bowls recently. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They begged, I get to be, I want to take care of the broke folks in Jerusalem, even though I'm broke in Macedonia. I'm just telling y'all, when we, as we build teams over the next few months and prepare for our next wave of growth, because they're coming, I, if you feel like it's a job and you feel like I just, I gotta come to church and serve, don't do it. We'll have a seat ready for you. Don't do it. I want to build a church of people that I get to serve the Lord. I get to. If you don't, you'll see us. We'll have tracks. If it's only one person on the stage, I don't care what it is. We build a culture off. He is enough and I get to serve him. And this broke church, he said, they begged us. They begged us. They begged us for the privilege. And it says this. They did even more than we had hoped for their first action. This is Macedonia. This ain't American Church Achaia. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. The Bible says to honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your crops. The first of your day. I'm going to say it in a high squeaky voice because I don't care that I don't have a deep one. The first of your focus. When you get up in the morning and I'm as guilty as you, he wants the first of your day. He wants the first of your attention and it applies to money too. He wants the first because he will not be your acquaintance. You, this, 
I want it for you, y'all. I really do. I want it for myself because I'm going deeper. It says this. It says, it says, the first action, their first response was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to. Now we're transitioning. Now he's about to address Achaia, Corinth. Say it with me. Say the American church. Say me. Say me. Say it like you really want to get your feelings hurt today. Say me. Online, drop a comment if you want me to say me. He said, so we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you, the people that got more, to finish this ministry of giving. They were the ones that let off the gas, the people with more. Just so you know, in American culture, we know the last time I read statistics, the top 5% of the wealthiest people in America give away about 1% of their income. Middle-class America gives about 5%. Nothing's changed. Wow. Nothing's changed. Paul says to the American church, me, you, the most broke person in this room is still one of the wealthiest people in the world. Since you excel, he says, I want to encourage you since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love for us. By the way, uh, the Corinthian church was the largest church, I believe, that Paul ever planted. It was the biggest. Had all the speakers, had all the creativity, had the preacher that wouldn't shut up. They had all that. He said, you excel in all those ways. You excel in your love for us. Then he says this, I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this, Corinth. I'm, I'm not guilting you, Catalyst. It's why we stopped doing plates. That's why several months back, we made a decision that probably would cost us, but it, I don't force you to come to this altar so we don't pass plates. We give you the options. If you don't want to give, I don't want you to give. I want you to want to put God to the test. If you don't want it, don't do it. I'm not guilting you to do anything. And Paul led them like this. He says, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches because let's face it, the measure of your faith is definitely because money is so big and your treasure is where your heart is. You want to measure your faith, look at your bank account. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. So that by his poverty, he could make you rich. Every one of us in this room are rich. Last week, last year, last week, last year, you were the first who wanted to give. You were the most excited. And you were the first to begin doing it. It was your idea to start this whole thing, guys. Now, you should finish what you started. I love this. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. How many people have I seen in this church? They get, I'm all in. They sign up for a team. God changes their life and he really changed their life. They're all in. It's eager. Give them a few months. And he said, let your eagerness, let your eagerness come back. Let it be, let it be matched by your, by your generosity. He says, give in proportion to what you have. 
When Jesus told the parable of the talents, by the way, talents weren't gifts. Talents was currency. It was money. He expected the same thing of the person that had one talent or five talents. It was to be faithful and be a good steward of it. Everything that God gives us, everything, your kids, your job, your car, your house, Everything, it is his. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You were just a borrower and a steward of it. And I want you to know straight up, I used to be scared to say that all this. I used to be scared to teach like this and to preach like this, but I have been more excited for this message than ever. That's why I'm a little bit moving and a little bit screaming too much. But I'm gonna tell you, I don't want anything from you. I want a lot of things for you. I want you to know, I could tell you stories till, the, till this evening that would blow your mind. God has always and will always provide for me and this church as long as we keep him in the center. As long as we have, hey, we got away from it for a few years and I'm gonna tell you, the, and we, we paid for it and we do so no longer. He will always provide for us as long as we keep him first. And I want you to know who's talking to you because I know I got a lot of new people in the building, probably some people online that are looking like, oh, do I want to try there? I want you to know who's talking to you. Uh, I believe what I'm preaching. I don't just preach it. I believe it. I was a broke pastor, uh, single pastor. I was single. I'm just going to like give you the headlines because I ain't got time. I was a broke, single pastor, uh, accumulated a lot of debt, had a lot of responsibility early on, and, and it was rough, okay? I also served in a church that was going broke, uh, worked at Walmart, which is broke pay, Oh, it was, it was Macedonia. <laughs> and I wish I could tell you all the times that God provided for me. Amen. I'll give you a few. There were times that I did ministry. I wore out multiple sets of tires doing ministry, making visits. Almost all the wires showing on my tires that several times were doing ministry. Church couldn't pay for them. I couldn't pay for them. People randomly show up. Somebody walked by them at Walmart one time, wrote me a check, bought tires, had a snowstorm in this city the next day or two. I could tell you on a, I keep going, I keep going. So I, God opened up opportunities in people's hearts in 2009, I believe. And I was able to, because of the recession, do a short sale on the house that I grew up in that my mom and dad built so my mother, me, and my brother could have a place to stay. It was a heartbreaking, took forever story. Don't have time to talk about it. All I can tell you, I was broke then, couldn't afford a house. God opened up the hearts of people and opportunities for me to negotiate with the house that was in foreclosure. I was 24 years old. We closed on the house April 2009. I can tell you the small stuff too. Uh, I didn't have enough money to buy, buy Angie a wedding band. Didn't. I was busting my tail and the church couldn't pay me what I needed to pay. That's why I worked at Walmart 13 and a half years. Keep preaching. I poured my savings into our rehearsal dinner because I wanted to invest in our wedding, you know? I didn't have enough money. I, hey, I put, I, I, pay, I put a loan out for the, for the engagement ring. But I knew I didn't have enough money. And this person who did not like the idea of Ben and Angie, who honestly, I think it kind of ended our relationship, wrote me a check, had no idea, said, I love you. She didn't realize God used her to buy Angie's wedding band. She's wearing it back there right now. I 
could tell you stories all day. Get married, right? Get married. Angie and I, one of the, we had long conversations at Waffle House. We were dating like two in the morning because uh, she was like, you, we're really going to be this generous? I said, yes, ma'am. You okay? You on board? She asked me some questions I can tell you about later. And, I, and, and so we committed to a generous life. Angie, I've told you, was a widow. So we had leftover assets from her first life. And we committed to generosity. Before we started Catalyst, we were generous at the church that was dying. Sometimes we and about two other families, the only reason that church did ministry until it shut its doors. Started Catalyst. Never said this before. Just want you to know who's talking to you because you put God to the test, he'll take care of you. Ben and Angie funded the construction project of our first location over by Little Caesars. It was a stretch. First year and a half, I never got paid. Uh, and when I did, it was like a split of 5% of the offering. We made, I think, less than $1,500 a week offering by that point. So it's like $50 every two weeks. Angie worked at UWG for three, almost four years. I can't remember because I didn't get paid nothing, didn't get paid much after that. Uh, I really, when I got a full-time salary fairly recently, you wouldn't call it a big boy salary, I promise. Uh, for the first four years of Catalyst, we gave more than we made. All around, not here in our lives. The last two years, the last two years, Two years ago, we gave almost 50% or 50 of our salary back here. And we give, other, we give when God puts it on our heart other places too. Last year, we lost more money than I've ever seen in my life because of the market of what we had left. And we gave away 40% when I looked at our, our tithe this year. It was scary. Some people would say it's stupid. It would say it's straight up stupid. And that's fine. It scared us too. Last year, that's why we sold our house. We realized, man, we've went through this money. It's kind of scary. Market's going down. Not looking good on the outlook. Uh, we sold our house to downside to move closer to the church because we're about kingdom business. Whether I was preaching or if this place shut down, I will always be a Jesus follower, period. So we sell the house. Here's the bad thing. We sell the house. We tried. To, we made an offer on our house. Got accepted. But this joker couldn't get a mortgage because I was in debt from my past. I told you I accumulated a lot of debt. We're trying to sell a house. Uh, I lose, we lose $10,000 earnest money on a house because I thought, sure, I can get a mortgage. I got told no three or four different times. Lose $10,000. We couldn't sell the house. The same time we sold our house we, we, and we sold the house that we live in now that God provided for us. The week that we made, the, that we, that we we saw the house. We applied for the mortgage. I get an email. I get an email that I've been given by the government four and a half extra years of my public service loan forgiveness, which means that almost $100,000 of my student loan no longer counts against me. Got a mortgage. The house we lost, the house that we lost is 60. This house is, we have now is $60,000 cheaper. We saved a lot more money than we lost. It was heartbreaking, most stressful year of our life, I'd say, baby, because we're running. This church is starting to grow like crazy again, but God. Amen. Let me go to church. I'm done. He don't just take care of preachers. I want to prove you to you. He will take care of his children if you let him. Amen. Let's go with church, though. Catalyst Church. We start Catalyst in 2017. Before we even got our first offering, we gave $500 to a family uh, that, that needed a Christmas. They were in a bad spot. It's a bad story. 
We didn't know what we were going to get. By the way, we started Catalyst. Offerings were even worse than we thought. That's how bad it was. Still not great. By the way, last week, our average attendance, we got one-third of the national average of offering for our crowd, for our size church. That ain't got nothing to do with me. Just saying. And God will take care of me. You just need to get, God take care of this church. You just need to ask yourself. I'm just saying. Anyway, we start. 2017, I remember the end of the year, we only had enough money to pay rent or to pay the missions that uh, me and that leadership committed to missions that first year. You know what we did. I don't even remember how God provided, but we're still here, so apparently we got rent paid. 2018, I had to, God put on my heart, it was time to move on from Walmart. The church at the first location was growing very fast. And I was the one that I had the best option out of our leadership to continue. So I quit Walmart. The first day, y'all, I'm in my 30s by this point, the first day that I am a full-time official vocational pastor, I get a call from Southern Hills who built all this. One of their leaders was watching our service from the back of the room on an iPhone. That's how we did online back then. They called me. My first day on a, as a full-time pastor, I think by then I'm 32, 33 years old, and I'm over here at 1 p.m., and they basically lease us this building for almost the same price that we were written over there, and all we did was give them our word that we would buy it when we could afford it. We still can't afford this building. You know what they did? 2019, they sold us this building, 29 acres, four, building, four buildings for less than what this building is worth, no down payment. We, did, we, we still can't afford that type of down payment. All I can tell you is God. COVID happens. It's been my whole life, this story, because when you, when you trust him, it's what happens. 2019, we buy the building. It's in our name, no down payment. Paid a smidgen of what it's worth. Uh, 29 acres. When we bust out of here, we can go build over there and make this a ministry factory. I, we, only God. 2020, COVID happens. The whole world falls apart. So does Catalyst. Scariest, I grew up rough. Most hard, 2021 is the hardest year of my life. 2022, we rebuilt the church. It was growing again. You never knew this. I was up here preaching January 2022. We're out of money. Completely out of money. End of 2022, we gave away more money and did more ministry than any year before at Catalyst Church. I could go on and on. When you trust him... He takes care of you. He took care. Macedonia didn't have a lot to give. They just surrendered what they had to, had to him. That is like, he doesn't just take care of preachers and churches. He takes care of his children. So we take it seriously when Jesus said, give and it will be given unto you. Press down, shaking together, running over in your lap. We take it seriously when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Everything else will be added unto you. We take it serious. I take it serious. And I promise you, you will lose in your life holding back in default mode. I didn't say you'd go broke. You can have a lot. You can be successful and still be a stranger to the purpose and plans of God in your life. Tell your neighbor, say you're building something. I'm done with that for now. I'm done with that for now. Obedience and faith is how you build better. Obedience and faith is how you build better. It says this, but Samuel, excuse me, let me start. 
Saul was the first king of Israel. He was the qualified dude. Tall, great soldier, had all the talent and ability and leadership in the world. The guy was the, he was the man for the job until he wasn't because he stopped obeying and putting his trust in God and he got prideful, right? Saul is losing himself, has lost himself. The high priest Samuel says this to him. He says, but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, or your obedience to his voice? He says, straight up. He says, what's more important, Saul, what you can do for God and give God or trust in him enough to obey him? Said that to the king. Saul had every, all the ability and talent in the world. Listen, Boy, I'm, my voice is going so bad, I'm talking like that. <laughs> Listen, Samuel said, obedience is better than sacrifice. I don't care what you can do for God. Do you trust him enough to do what he says? Obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. I don't care what you can give me. God don't care what you can give me. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. We live in a society where we celebrate disobedience. I'm rebellious, but I'm typically rebellious when it's just against the status quo. I do what people say when they got my best interests at heart. I'm not, I don't challenge that. Rebellion is witchcraft because it's manipulation. And stubbornness is bad as worshiping idols because you'll miss God completely if you're stubborn and won't change. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king, Saul. Cost him everything and eventually his life. He was the guy for the job. He was called. But he got away from his, he got away from his call and he got away from God and he eventually cost him everything. Tell somebody, so you're building something. You can have all the talent and ability in the world. I have known some of the most talented, able people. I'm not one of them, but I've known them. People that, man, I'm like, I wish I had like in my pinky the talent they have. But they ain't doing much with their life because they stopped trusting and obeying God. And they lost themselves. They lost themselves completely. Some of them. God doesn't want anything from you. Bible says your works are a filthy rags to him. Menstrual rags. Can we just be awkward since y'all were sleepy? Say tampons. <laughs> say it. Drop, hey, drop a comment. Maybe it'll make somebody watch the video when they see tampons in the comments. Just say, say tampons. Used tampons. How about that? Used ones. Don't play with me. Y'all know we, I, I should just tell you, some of y'all girls, we've had some like, uh, some, uh, so, uh, some pipes that are clogged because of them used tampons. Anyway, God, I digress. I digress. Somebody, somebody that works, works here saying, amen, Ben, I'm glad you found a spot for that. <laughs> Your works are a filthy rags, tampons, used ones to him. He doesn't want anything from you. Samuel says, do you trust him? And the answer to that question is not what you say, it's what you do. Amen. It's what you do. Do you believe that yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you were with me. If you believe it, uh, it will be evident when you get the bad news of the diagnosis. How you handle it, how you face it. If you play victim and pitiful, if you start getting, start getting pissed off and mad at God when you get the news of the chronic pain or your life's falling apart and you blame God. Do you believe that 
if you make your bed in hell, he will be with you. How you handle it when what you did in the dark comes to life. If you face it and how you face it will show if you truly believe that. Not preaching it and saying it and telling everybody and posting about it because we like to post about a lot of stuff that we really don't believe. We want to believe, but we pretend it. Do you believe that no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that rises against you shall fall because your righteousness is of the Lord? Because when they turn on you, you will turn the other cheek and you will let God be your vindicator if you truly believe it because you won't take business into your own hem and crap on everybody and try to ruin them. Do you believe that God is not slow concerning his promises as some count slowness and that if you will humble yourself under the mighty hand of God in due time, he will exalt you. If you believe that, you will be faithful under duress. You will be faithful when they don't see you, appreciate you, take you seriously when what you wanted and what you're dealing with doesn't make sense. Is so far, you will trust him and what you do will show if you truly believe him enough to obey him. Amen. What you do. Samuel told Saul, doesn't matter all the talent, ability, and tr all the whatever. Do you trust him? Do you do what he says? Do you obey him? Do you obey him? Because there's no half-stepping in obeying him. No sidestepping, no forward, no running. We walk by faith. Amen. Not talk by faith. Not make excuses and, and cherry pick scriptures by faith. We walk one step, one decision at a time. Amen. And we are at a turning point in this church because we are called to build people. That's our vision statement. Build people, love God, love people and inspire others to do the same. And so there are people that aren't going to go with us, but I am not going, we are not going to build acquaintances. I'm not trying to make converts and introduce you to Jesus. He doesn't want to be your acquaintance. He'll be your friend, but he'll be your friend once you make him your everything and he will change your everything if you will give him your everything. But we're going to build people. Preach. We're going to build people. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at imcatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at imcatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you, we care about you, and we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.